0: This podcast is brought to you by Erickson Immigration Group. The absolute first thing I'd say is let's not panic because both of these rules are very likely to be challenged in court. Got it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, procedurally and the substance of the rules, we think that there will be lawsuits. And, you know, it, it may not be that they go into effect immediately or that what ultimately goes into effect looks like what we read today. That was Christina Nan, managing attorney for Erickson Immigration Group, on October 8th's episode, referring that the Department of Labor's new regulation on wage requirements would likely meet opposition in the courts. And like clockwork, in two weeks, 17 individual and organizational plaintiffs filed lawsuits opposing this very rule. Today, we try to synthesize the Purdue v. Scalia case that challenges the new DOL wage requirements and why they should return to its previous levels. If you find yourself needing substantive justification and arguing this proposition, this listen can be your quick to the point cheat sheet. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. This particular lawsuit is filed under seven claims. Uh, We're only going to go over the first two because they are the most notable. One, uh, the failure to observe APA procedure, and two, how this rule was implemented under arbitrary and capricious means. So first, what is the APA? Uh, That's the Administrative Procedure Act. The APA requires an agency to publish a notice of proposed rulemaking that one, justifies that rule, two, specifically identifies the subjects and issues involved, and three, allows interested parties to submit comments. After comments are made, the agency may publish a final rule explaining the action and its rational connection between the facts found and the choices made. These steps may only be skipped If an agency for good cause, remember that term, uh, finds that it is impracticable, unnecessary or contrary to the public interest. So the plaintiffs are arguing that the DOL did not comply with the procedural rules required to issue a legislative rule and no good cause exists for its failure to comply. So three things. The DOL did not provide notice, did not allow for a comment period for feedback, and did not consider harm to plaintiffs in the public. The DOL justifies that it acted in good cause uh, for two reasons. First, it blames the shock to the labor market caused by the coronavirus and delaying immediate action would hurt DOL's effort to protect U.S. workers. Second, DOL contends that providing advanced notice would give employers an incentive to use evasive measures to avoid the adjusted wage requirement. DOL cites this implementation was for strengthening wage protections, addressing abuses in visa programs, and ensuring American workers are not undercut by cheaper foreign labor. These changes will strengthen our foreign worker programs and secure American workers' opportunities for stable, good-paying jobs. Claim two, arbitrary and capricious. The APA states that a court must set aside an agency action that is arbitrary, capricious, or an abuse of discretion. For this, let's get a little bit more into how the sausage is made when it comes to determining wage levels. For simplicity's sake, the wage levels work on a percentile basis. Previously, level one wages were set at the 17th percentile, meaning that in this category, wages were at or higher than 17% of the total participating pool. Level four wages were set at the 67th percentile. The new rule raises wages to the 45th percentile in level 1 and the 95th percentile for level 4, meaning these wages had to be equal or higher than 95% of the pool. But it's argued that this shift doesn't take into account that there are very high-paying outlier wages at level 4 that skews the entire average of the bell curve, which dramatically pulls level 2 and 3 wages higher. Another grievance is that there is not a concrete way that the DOL can calculate wages accurately because there is not enough data within the current formula they are using. In result, it defaults to a national $100 per hour wage for an occupation, or $208,000 per year. These wages apply to all, regardless of geographic area, level of experience, or area of specialization within the occupation. In some cases, this represents an increase of 50% from the previous level one wage. Now, what makes this arbitrary and capricious from the plaintiff's point of view is that they believe DOL failed to consider the interests of all industries and how they would be impacted by the rule. As it stands today, 15,000 jobs no longer have wage levels under the new rule, and a large number of them reside in healthcare. If this rule stands, a rural doctor must be paid the same as a big city anesthesiologist. And as residents are forced to switch from H-1B to J-1 status, the increased demand for J-1 waivers will result in fewer doctors being available for rural America since their issuance is limited by the state. Final Notes. Initially, D.O.L. stated that this rule was put in place to protect U.S. jobs. However, due to these higher wage requirements, U.S. workers may be at higher risk if employers have to shut down because of the new rule. This rule may incentivize U.S. employers to move operations outside of the U.S. to hire workers at an affordable wage. Startup companies and nonprofits will be among the few who could be affected at the greatest extent. Contrary to maybe intentions, many U.S. workers will not be exempt from the outcomes of this H-1B wage ruling. Healthcare workers, technology departments, and staff of startup companies all could feel the collateral impact. Higher wage requirements may force companies to move critical U.S. positions overseas due to lack of capital or shut down operations altogether. The U.S. economy's efficiency is tethered to the global workforce, and if the country doesn't have access to widespread talent we could significantly reduce the production opportunity for U.S. contributors, both foreign and domestic. I'm Ian Gaines. See you next time.